This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yo, and welcome to the 126th episode of Lake of Rage Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by three very special temporary guest hosts. All three of them are joining us for the first, but hopefully not the last time, because they're going to be attending LAIC coming in a couple of weeks at the time of recording. They're going to be sharing their thoughts on how Paradox Rift has been changing things or potentially not heading into one of the most exciting tournaments of the year. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves a little bit, and we're going to start with the person who is above me on the YouTube channel, Andrew Hedrick. Andrew, how long have you been playing the Pokemon trading card game? What are some of your accomplishments? What makes you so qualified to be here? Yeah, I've actually been playing a long time since I was in juniors, uh, back when Black and White came out, but I was definitely not very good at the game. I played some really bad decks, um, just mostly at like my local league, maybe like some cities and stuff. But since then, I kind of like took a year off right before COVID, but then COVID happened, and I started playing a lot more online and started grinding like a bunch of online tournaments and stuff when those started popping up. And then since COVID came back, I've been going to a bunch of regionals. I won Orlando and Knoxville last year, and grind more games this year and go into LASC. Let's go. If you did not lose on the PTCGO ladder to Poka Hawkeye playing Baby Blounds, you did not play the ladder or Limitless tournaments enough. <laughs> Next up, we have Kieran Farah. Kieran, how long have you been playing? What are some of your accomplishments? Cool. Hi, everyone. I'm Kieran. I'm from Toronto. Uh, I've been playing since 2011, so I was 12 years old back in seniors. Um, some of my accomplishments I'm most proud of, uh, 2016, I was number one in North America for masters. Uh, last year I was in the top 16. I got, uh, three top cuts at regionals and internationals, uh, and I have three top 32s at the world championship. So, uh, that's probably what I'm proud of. Oh, and I'm proud that I helped build the Canadian foul deck that, uh, everyone loves. So that's what I would say I'm most proud of. <laughs> the legendary flawless 60. And last but not least, we have Brent Tonneson. Brent, how long have you been playing? What are some of your accomplishments? Um, I've been playing since 2012, so about a decade, a little bit over. I've won three regionals, and I've gone auto day two every year. Once in seniors. 2015, I was still in seniors, but I did top four worlds that year. Now, for clarification, are these real regionals or are these uh, Australian regionals? <laughs> Malaysian regionals, actually, so even less real. <laughs> <laughs> The Mickey Mouse regionals? <laughs> oh, hey, they, they, give, they give the full prizing, so I'm not complaining. So we have three individuals who are incredibly successful in the game to give us their thoughts on Paradox Rift, because honestly, I went 1-7 yesterday in my testing. We'll get to what deck it was soon. But uh, I'm not qualified, so I'm sure hoping they are. And the first question I want to ask is, are you prepping more for the newer decks? You know, the Iron Valiant, the Roaring Moon, the Golden Go, the... Garchomp, whatever else exists, right? Or are you more concerned about the established archetypes, such as the Lawson, the Guardi, the Mew, the etc., going in? So what is your testing looking like? Are you more concerned with the new stuff or the old stuff? Andrew, help us out. I've definitely been playing more games against the newer stuff and like trying to watch more about those decks because I feel like 
I already know like about what a, a lot of the older decks like what they're capable of and what they can do each turn reasonably. But like the new decks, I don't entirely know like what they can hit every turn. You know, like what re- what their reasonable game plans will be. So I feel like just getting in games against that and seeing how those decks works is the most important. So I've been playing more games against the newer decks. Karen, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'd say any old deck I've been playing. So for example, like Chen Power Gardevoir, I've been testing against the new ones more. Just because like similar to Andrew, like I already know what all the matchups are pretty much for the old decks. I don't think the decks change that much. Like Iron Hands is in some of the decks. And then uh, when I'm testing like the new stuff, like Roaring Moon um, or like Golden Go, for example, like I've been running it more against the old decks just because I need to understand like how they kind of like fit in the meta. And Brent, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think you start with the new decks and then you work your way towards the old decks once you have a good understanding of how the new decks go. And then by, by the time you play the event, you should have at least some games on, onto everything if you're playing a new deck or an old deck. So let's go ahead and talk about those new decks then, since we have the three for three, I've been going against them. Uh, I'm going to arbitrarily start with Roaring Moon because this seems to be the one that Look, we had the Iron Hands hype on Twitter. Shout out to Jake for that one. And then Iron Valiant had like a very brief moment in the sun before everyone was like, yo, the moon, the dark patch, you know, Sada, this is so good. So, uh, Kieran, why don't you start us off? Roaring Moon is the hype as much as, you know, it's the number one most played deck in the Limitless tournaments. Is it number one in LAIC? Like, what are your thoughts on this deck? Uh, I think it's just like a super solid tier two deck. Like every game I play with it, like I'd say like 85%, I'm getting a turn one attack. Uh, it's, it's just similar to Maraidon in the last format where it's like, yeah, you have a very linear strategy, like you don't have very good one prize attackers and like it's very obvious what you're going to do every turn. So like if your opponent can execute, it's very hard for you to outplay them. Um, but I do think there's something to be said about just having a consistent deck that can knock out anything. Um, and I do think like the deck maybe hasn't been as explored as it could be. It just seems like everyone's just defaulting to this like Pokestop list, which is what I'm playing right now. But I definitely think if you want, like you could kind of play like Maraidon or you play like, Judge Path or... Or just find some other ways. I wish there was better one prize dark attackers, but I do think the deck is real. Like I don't think it's a bad deck, and I wouldn't be super surprised to see it like be like a ten percent, even fifteen percent deck at uh, LAIC. It definitely seems the most popular of the new decks. But we're not going to see Lugia levels of to go back to that last LAIC. No, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if we saw that. Brent, what are your thoughts on Roaring Moon? Oh yeah, so I think like maybe like two months ago. I was already talking about it. I said, like, this card is, like, insane. I, I saw it on, like, 220 for three energy. That is, that is so good. And then and then having, like, obviously, the, like, the first attack is, like, really strong. But I feel like it wasn't discussed enough how good the second attack was. Like, in a lot of scenarios, that's the, what makes it possible. Because if you had to just keep using the first attack, you would just fall apart against, like, anything. But, yeah, so I, I did always, like, have the idea that, like, when I first one, I'm like, was this ever really beating Gardevoir? And I thought, well, like, well, now we have Iron Hands. So I thought it would be, like, kind of like Rock, Paper, Scissors with that. But yeah, it's kind of cool to see how... I mean, I guess that it is, like, a real deck. But yeah, it's kind of just, like, Maridon, and I don't really like that, so... So I guess... I don't know. So you mentioned, you know, does this ever really beat Gardevoir? You, of course, are potentially a Gardevoir in disguise with how successful you've been with that deck. Is it beating Gardevoir? Um, I have not played the matchup yet, but I'm fairly confident it isn't. Because I know how Moridon played against it, and this deck is just... The only... Well, the advantage you have is you have the easier... You have the easier KO on the Gardevoir. Because Moridon struggles... If like they don't get like all the energy in play, they struggle to get a KO on the Gardevoir. But then they don't, you don't have any path disruption or anything. 
And your single prize tactics are even worse than Maridon. Which, like, they weren't even good in Maridon. Let's go, more. Yes. Guardy propaganda it is. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think you beat Gardevoir, but then, also, I don't really know how good Gardevoir is itself. <laughs> Andrew, what are your thoughts on Roaring Moon? I don't know, I've been hearing some disrespect for the one prize attackers, but Morpika's pretty good, bro. I don't know, like, in my opinion, that card is very important to the deck, obviously. Like, if you don't know what it does, it has free retreat, with, uh, this week has no energy attached, which is pretty big. Um, but this attack is also really good, two dark energy... 70 and you move the energy on from it to the bench so you can kill all the, like the evolving stuff stuff like charmander or like relative and stuff or like a Mew, uh celebrations mew and move the energy to a roaring moon on the bench and it's like pretty unlikely on turn two your opponent can actually boss with a roaring moon so if you force them to your opponent to take a one prize knockout that's actually pretty big and then can mess with the price trade. so i i was playing two more pico in my list but thoughts on like the deck in general i feel like I feel like finding the correct list for the deck is going to be very hard. I've been trying a bunch of different lists. There's like so many different things you can do. Like just the items you play. Like are you playing heavy are you playing cross switchers? Like you play trekking shoes. Like how many boss do you play? Do you do you play four of the tool that gives it more HP? Like there's so many different card choices you can do with the deck. Um I'm not entirely sure where the list is supposed to go. Have you playing more Pico? Oh sorry, cameras. If you don't mind, I was just saying more Pico is good in the sense that, like, to Brent's point about Gardevoir, it's like if you attack with more Pico first, Gardevoir has to go like boss, boss, boss. Otherwise, like, they can't take a 2 2 2 prize map, and you're normally going to be up four to six. Um, and, like, also, like, the one thing with more Pico I have found, though, is it's a bit of a liability against decks that play Iron Hands, just because, like, they can usually weave in a one prize attacker to knock out the more Pico, and then you normally have Squawk ability on your bench, and then they can Iron Hands the Squawk ability to take three um so like that's the only reason like i'm not like super crazy about the more pico but i agree that it's like a super strong like opener like into if you have to take a single prize knockout uh, but ideally roaring moon goes like two 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 in prizes in almost all of its matchups yeah like by some matchups they don't give you a two prize that you can yeah yeah also I mean... like ideally you don't have to bench squawk ability but a lot of times you do but yeah i think you need to do it every game <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, for me, I thought originally, I thought the plan was to just use Brute Bonnet in those matchups as the attacker, but not more Pico. More Pico's <laughs> the move. Or you save the energy, bro. Pretty yeah, cool. but I do, like, the issue I do have with more Pico is against something like Gardevoir, the Mirage Step isn't weak to Dark. <laughs> oh, is it not? It's weak to Metal. Yeah, there's like oh, the so it doesn't hit carry the Mirage Step. Oh, okay, you can't even lead with more Pico then, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you, you got nothing against Gardevoir then. They Mirage Step... And I think the, um, the other color is also weak to metal as well. The EX it's is the just, only one weak to dark, it's yeah. Just the EX. Wow. So yeah, they've got like quad curly in play. You, you, you can't do anything. You can't take a single prize. Like maybe they have a Mew for you to take out. <laughs> but if you're using your cross switches on a Mew, I don't know if you're landing on the card at all. I don't know, bro. We're going Brute Bonnet 10 with Poison, 70 with more Pico. We get to 80, oh. bro. We're chill. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you said you played the deck a fair amount. Have you tried the Energy Switch Water version? I have seen that version. I have not played games with it yet. I was like, but like you have so much space, you definitely can afford to play that if you want to. And then Kieran or uh, Brent, have you played the Energy Switch Water version? Uh, no, I just think it's like asking the deck to like stray too much from its like core strategy. I'm like, I, just, I don't think it's adding enough to the deck. I just, I'd rather just focus those spots on just setting up my Roaring Moons. Right and yeah, I was basically using that, but without the water energy. I'm like, well, if this if this water energy is a dark energy, well, I mean, if the dark energy became like a water energy in the opening, I would be a lot worse off than if it was just a dark energy. And I don't think the 
trade-off of gaining the surprise shuriken is worth that. Energy Switch is not a terrible card to have in the deck overall, though. Like, it's pretty yeah. no, I've been liking Energy Switch. Yeah, I, I play you can also, as well. You can do it with the Mew as well, though, actually. Like, with the Mew EX on the Greninja. And then if they're, if they're like, oh, I'll bench the Mana Feed to stop that, then you go KO the Mana Feed with the more Pico. <laughs> it's, all, it's all more Pico. Comes full circle. <laughs> so we've officially broken Roaring Moon. You've heard it here first. All three of them in top eight. But there is the other deck that's on the ETB, on the pack art. And that's, of course, Iron Valiant, which uh, is a very brief moment in the sun where, you know, Omnipoke was leading the campaign of like, this is the gatekeeper, not Iron Hands. So, Brent, what are your thoughts on Iron Valiant EX? Is this the true gatekeeper of the format? I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, I've, I've kind of been trying with things. I tried, like, Entei with it. So, like, I'm not sure if you've seen that online popping up. There's, mm -hmm. like, an Entei. It's got very little usage online, but it's got really good results, actually. Uh, but I still feel like it's not good enough. Like, it feels like the good matchups are, like, even. And then the bad matchups <laughs> are the bad matchups. <laughs> Is that, is that specifically the Entei version for that, or just every Iron Valley? Yeah, oh, the Entei. We haven't gone to the other, the other version. <laughs> I also like theorize other things, like, oh, but what if I play Arceus as my attacker? <laughs> I also don't think that works. But what about Palkia as well? Palkia is also pretty low maintenance. Yeah, I'm not sure that one works either. But I do think, like, the one thing that I did come up that's kind of cool, like, I know I'm not going to be running Valiant, but the thing I did come up with, I'm not sure if I saw it around, is running Luminous and Radiant Charizard in the Urshifu build. Like, that seems quite good, especially since, like, no one's playing Duraludon at the moment. Like, just having the 1 Energy 215 Uke, like, I feel like, like, that's definitely one of the bigger issues, is if your opponent gets, like, you know, if it's, like, Zard or something, they have some one big thing that's left, it's too much. Or, like, they try to go, like, 2-2-2 in a game. And if they go 2-2-2, then you just throw Zard, Iona them, and now they're screwed. Andrew, have you tried any Iron Valiant? Any thoughts? Oh, I have not played games with that. I've, like, watched people play against it, and I've seen some games of it. Um, it's, like, it, it can be pretty good in the decks that have, like, the little basics, but um, I feel like it has some some issues with some matchups just not being able to knock out stuff, but the Radiant Charizards are a pretty good idea, to be honest, with the, the deck. I don't know. I haven't really seen... Like, I've watched people play against it, and it can be really scary, like, you know, if you're playing Chen Pao and you, like, put your little guys down and they just start Yoga Looping them and killing all of them. But I'm not sure if the deck, like, just, like, not being able to win some matchups by not being able to do enough damage seems like not the best position to be in. Karen, what are your thoughts on uh, the Valiant? Uh, yeah, I just think his matchup spread is, like, super polarizing. Like, we were talking on Twitter today. I had a game where I had, like, three frigid backs, and they all got knocked out, like, in one turn. But it'll do really well against anything that has small guys. Your Lost Box, your Chem Pao, your Gardevoir, your Charizard, kind of. Like, anything that's, like, big basics, like your Roaring Moon, your Maridon, your, even your Lugia, like, the deck's going to kind of struggle to get through them. Um, I actually, I haven't explored much the Entei version. I actually, in theory, really like it, because you can just soften everything up with Iron Valiant, and then the Entei is probably going to be a good aggro lead. Um, I do think Charizard's actually a good idea as well. Charizard's a card I've actually been trying to, like, fit into, like, so many decks, just because I think it's super strong in this format, just because, like, Maridon dies to it. Uh, Roaring Moon gets knocked out, Chen Pao gets knocked out. Like, there's just so many things that get knocked out by it. So, um, I think that's maybe an avenue to explore if anyone wants to explore Valiant. So, that was a good idea by Brent. 
I just give a shout out for that one because I mentioned I went one and seven yesterday trying to play this format that was with Xian Pao, where I got valianted in that exact same vein multiple times on the live ladder and just closed the game <laughs> forever. Has anyone tried? So we mentioned the Urshifu version a little bit with the potential of the luminous energy and the uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? The uh, Charizard. Thank you. Yes. And the Charizard. But has anyone tried the Jolteon VMAX version that we very briefly saw do well in? I want to say it was the Tournament of Doom, but I'm seeing people. No. Okay. Then there's no point in bringing that one up. All right. There's your new homework assignment. I feel like it probably has some of the same issues as the. Yeah. And it is quite low maintenance to attack. That is the advantage. But then you do need to get the tool, though. And then you can't force seal stone to that one. And then you've got to find something else to force seal stone to. It's fine. You, uh, town store, right? Yeah. So, we yeah, I guess. Worst but then, but then you know. might not have the bench space for the things. Like, what if I want to get two Jolteons in play and I got the Valiants? The triple valiant and the squawk. Now I can't get the forest seal stone on a good target. <laughs> All right, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's bad. Other paradox rift cards we have. Golden Go, I think, was the most hyped version that we've all or other card that we saw. But there's other like cool stuff out there. I'm a big fan of the Garbodor, even though I know no one in their right mind has actually put time into that deck. And then you've also got the Serena. You've got you know some other stuff like that. Are there any other decks that you're like? I think there is something entirely new that we're going to see from this, or is everything else just like eh, kind of good cards, but maybe they're not going to actually show up. Andrew, do you have any thoughts on any of the other like EXs or any of the other decks that might be popping up that are entirely brand new? Um, I mean, I don't think Golden Go is like completely unplayable. I think it can be pretty decent, especially like if you give yourself one prize options or even just like not evolving your <clears throat> evolving your two prizers for a while, like against Roaring Moon, you can kind of just. Like not do anything and force them to take a prize and then just like go take the first two and you kind of just win the prize trade that way um so i don't know the deck's like somewhat decent i've actually played any games with it but i think like you could you could definitely win games with it it's not completely <laughs> terrible karen do you have yeah, any i thoughts? agree with, yeah. i agree with andrew i actually think golden goes a little bit underplayed or underexplored right now because like it's like kind of similar to chen pao in a way like you're just uh like doing big damage with a two prizer um and you can also fit scissor in the deck if you want to have a one prizer and i do really like like what andrew's saying is like, if you face maraidon and you face roaring moon like yeah if you literally just don't evolve on turn one like you always win the prize trade because you're just going to go two 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 and they need to go four attacks so i think that's a deck that uh could be explored um i just i actually don't really know what the right engine is to play with it right now so i do think like you probably want to play scissor golden go probably bibberal but then the item and like supporter lineup i haven't really figured that one out yet but I do think that's a deck to keep an eye on. And like, that's a deck, like if I saw it in top eight of LAIC, like I wouldn't really be surprised. I'd be like, oh, that makes sense to me. That is one too, where you're like, okay, the more Pico can KO the Gimme Ghoul, but you're one of the few decks that can probably get a boss KO on turn two because, you know, you evolve the active, draw two cards, evolve a yeah. bench, draw another card. Oh, no, counter catcher, bro. Yeah, counter catcher. <laughs> now we're talking. Brent, any thoughts on any of the other Golden Go or anything else from the Paradox Rift? Well, I did try try it, but I basically just took Chen Pao and made it Metal Chen Pao. And I was kind of frustrated. I was kind of frustrated with, with like, not being able to hold the energy, like, not being able to stack the energy on the board. It's like, oh, cool, I got four energy. Oh, I can't use my barrel. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what do I do? It's like, I need to see another three energy. So it, it can get kind of annoying. 
like I'm I'm sure like the barrels like pretty good and things. But yeah, I, I feel like I feel like I gotta really rework and look at the engine to come up with something. And I'm that's I definitely rate Scissor as an attacker. But like I'm not sure if how to work if you try to fit Sizzle and the barrel, and do you even have, like, at that point, are you cutting down the recovery cards? Are you going to have the resources to even take out Zards? Because Zards are actually quite difficult just because of how much health it has. The amount of energy you have to lose is, like, actually insane. We need Ditto Prism Star, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good card. That's one of my favorite cards ever. So do you think, and this is for, you all kind of talked about Scizor a little bit. Do you think Scizor is like a viable thing? Because like when Evil Admonition Weavile existed, everyone was always like, well, your opponent just plays around it. Do you think Golden Go gives enough pressure that your opponent cannot play around Scizor? Or is it just kind of like, eh, I only need to do 100 damage to KO a Comb Fear or whatever. Like, is it like a real thing your opponent's going to play around? Or is it not matter at all? And that's not its purpose. Uh, I mean, it's just like, it's kind of hard to play around. Like a lot of decks, like their engine just is all Pokemon with abilities. And I think the main reason you play um, Scizor is just to help your Chen Pao match up too. Just because that deck, no matter what, they can't get around it. So mm. I don't know, I just think it's like just a solid attacker. Like it actually has a decent amount of health for a stage one. Like not a lot, obviously, but it's just like, what like, what are you really like playing around Scizor with? Because like Scizor is kind of hard to one shot things anyways. So it's like. I just think having a way to like disrupt the flow of like a prize trade is just like so strong in this format. It's just because there's so many decks that are just two prizes only. Mm -hmm. So just if you can ever weave one in, I just think it's super strong. I just I just I think it's hard to play around because like most of the decks, like all their Pokemon have ability, and then you're hindering your setup if you're not playing Pokemon with abilities. So it's just like so you're actually fine if your opponent plays around it sometimes. Your your goal isn't like to do like 300 damage with scissor, right? Like you just like you don't you just sometimes need to do a little bit of damage with something that's the one prizer. You don't really have like any other good one prizers that can attack in the deck. I mean, you can use the continuous coin toss and try to flip some coins, but like that's not a good attack. So like you re like you really don't have any other one prize option. So I feel like it's probably just there to do a little bit of damage, and also it doesn't die to iron hands, which is kind of pretty big. Are you giving us some propaganda for 70 HP Gimme Ghoul is optimal? I feel like you probably you probably have to play the 70 HP one, but I don't know. Not, hopefully not for continuous coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. That's how you take the prize late early. <laughs> is it just 10 until you flip tails? I forget what it does. Yeah, so you just launch shots roaring, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, it's 20 until you flip tails. Man. Oh, yeah, 20 like, times. You only need 12 heads. Only yeah. two heads, bro. Well, twelve to kill. Oh, yeah, two. Well, it's actually the damage of two hundred. Yeah, it's actually not bad. It's really not that cool. bad. The odds are, <laughs> it's not impossible. This podcast is sponsored by Tabletop Village. Tabletop Village is the premier Pokemon first trading card game store in the United States. And if you shop at tabletopvillage.com and you use code MELLO5, that's M-E-L-L-O-W, the number five, you will receive 5% off your order of any sealed products, any sleeves, or even other games that they have, including Yu-Gi-Oh! One Piece or Flesh and Blood. So be sure to shop at tabletopvillage.com, use code MELLO5 to help support the podcast. So let's go ahead and jump into some of those old decks that may have gotten some new tools, because Paradox Rift gave us cool cards. And we even mentioned Countercatch, which is something that I think uh, we kind of downplayed a little more than we could have. But that'll probably come up soon. The first one I think that is on everyone's mind is Xian Pao because it now has Iron Hands. I want to share my thoughts on the deck and then I want Kieran to tell me why I'm wrong. But the two lightning energies in the deck feel incredibly in the way 
a lot of the time for a deck that's already incredibly fragile. So Kieran, why am I wrong? Why is Xi'an Pao with Iron Hands the move now? Uh, I mean, to be honest, like when I started testing, I'm like, yo, I hate Iron Hands. Like, I just want to leave the deck the way it is. But I only play one Lightning in my build, to be honest, because mm -hmm. I'm like, you, you don't need like more than one. Like, if I prize my Lightning, okay, that's bad luck, whatever. Like, I have time to take it out of the prizes. Because I think if you play one copy of a card, it's like 9% to get prized. Then assuming, like, let's say we take three prizes, like, that's like a 5% chance. Like, you don't get a Lightning. So I think it's fine to play one. I don't think you should clog your deck up with more. Um, but the reason Iron Hands is so good in Chen Pao is it literally fixes some of your bad matchups and it turns some of your 50-50s into like favorables. So like, for example, like Lost Box was like a bad matchup for Chen Pao in the past. Like you literally had to like spam the cross switcher play, like Cologne. Now you just like Iron Hands and like they need to like Dragonite or like Roaring Moon to take it out. And then you're like, okay, two prizes. Um, I'd say like Maridon was probably like once they started playing Judge Path was a bad matchup. And like if, if you ever started Chen Pao and they knocked it out, like you were behind in the prize trade. But like now it's like you can like Greninja knock out their Flaffy, leave 90 on something, and then you can just like Iron Hands to take three prizes. So that's like a, a prize map to take four with only giving up three. And then Lugia is another matchup, which I always thought was 50-50. And I thought it's colorless Lugia matchup was slightly unfavorable. But again, like that deck is always benching Luminion. If they don't, they just hit the nuts, whatever. Again, like you knock out a Snorlax, you knock out a Lugia, okay, you Iron Hands their Luminion for three. So like it just literally fixes the deck's prize map like crazy. Like uh, you can weave in the Greninja just once in the game to put your opponent onto odd prizes, and your prize map is almost always perfect with Iron Hand. So the deck still has the same problem it's always had, that like some games you're literally just going to draw pass or like Poke stopping turn one into like double Bidu for something, but um, it just feels like the deck's matchup spread just like got like plus 10 to 15% like across the board. And it just, it just feels insane to me. So I've definitely been playing it a lot. It's definitely probably at the top of my list right now. And I just, I think it, the deck is for real. Brent, what are your thoughts on Qian Pao with uh, its new addition? Yeah, so I also have one Lightning and the one Iron Hands. Because I have the same idea with, I don't want two Lightning because I don't really care about prizing. Like, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, sometimes it happens. It needs to be like, oh, this is a matchup where I need it. It needs to be like early or something like i often have time to unprize it and then yeah it's like you have things like lost box lost box matchup was a bit sketchy before and now it's like the lost box players just have to like they have to get a really strong opening to really shut you down like if you get like a turn three a turn to attack turn three iron hands it is not good for them andrew thoughts on uh chin pao is it our new our new bdif yeah i feel like the the iron hands definitely Changes the matches a little bit. The Lost Box match was probably the biggest one where I don't know, like Lost Box before felt so good into it. You could just like say black a couple times. Like, even if they got the cancel playoff, you could still just like a lot of times just like slide Hilder back Scalver and then like just win from there. But like Iron Hands, you just have to deal with it because otherwise it will just take two prizes again next turn. And it's just like like it just leading Iron Hands is just like so much pressure on, on Lost Box. I don't know. I feel like it definitely makes the deck scarier to play against. So I think it's pretty good. And then a question for all three of you, because this is my own curiosity in a Xi'an Pao list. And obviously it's like, I'm still testing, but are we still on cross switchers or are we switching over to counter catcher or are you running both in the list? We'll go in the same order. So Kieran, what is your uh, gust? I'm, I'm still running the cross switchers. I just, I don't see why you would take them out to be honest. Like I don't like playing just counter catcher because like you're an aggressive deck. So like half the, half the time you're going to be up on prizes. And, like, if your opponent, like, knows you only play countercatcher, which I'm pretty sure they'll figure out by the end of the set, mm. like, they're just going to, like, boss around your, like, Chen Pao, and, like, you're never going to get the countercatcher at the end. 
Um, and like, I still find the best way to play it is just like the way I play it now with like the turbo build. I just took out like, I took out like one water. I took out one cologne. I took out like a dust ball or something to fit in the iron hands package. Cause it's like Pokestop is just like so broken in the deck. So it's like, why would you not just keep cross switcher? Um, the only card that I've been thinking about trying to fit in, if I cut cross switchers is like Jirachi, just like make Giratina, like pretty much an auto win. So they can't like knock out your bib roll, but no, I think cross switcher is still the best way to go. Um, I wouldn't go down to just counter catcher. Brett, what gust are you running in uh, the deck? Still cross switch, yeah. And like, it's also like the switching part is underrated as well. Yep. It's like if you're on the counter catch, then you also got to run like a rope or something, which like they were using before, but people just cut it for more ball search. And then, yeah, I guess like cross switch is still, it's still switching, which can be an issue if they like try to like stall or something. And like, like yeah, I, I think the switching is value. I think uh, valuable. I think the gust is valuable as well. And Andrew, thoughts on the gust yeah, card? You have to play. You, I think you have to play cross switchers. I was watching someone play the deck without cross switchers, and it seems like you're like so much more limited in what you can do. And also, like if you, if you open Iron Hand, sometimes you have to move it, and it's like, yeah. then are you gonna really play an escape or bring your deck and not play? Like, I don't know. I feel like you should just play cross switchers at that point. Right on. Another one of the old decks that got some new tricks is, or at least in theory, is Gardevoir. So Gardevoir, you know, we have Countercatcher, Screamtail, sure, you know, we've seen James Cox has been streaming with it, so we'll go ahead and count that as a real card. And conveniently, we're going to start off with Brent. Brent, thoughts on Gardevoir in the new format and or with the new toys? As someone who has uh, zero games with Gardevoir in the new format, but I have played a lot of Gardevoir historically, so I can give some thoughts. So like, obviously, Countercatcher is really good because one of the biggest limitations on Gardevoir has been the inability to use Boss and Iono in the same turn. Like you've had access to Crest and uh, Iono, but then you've have you have decks like Lugia, which are just like, well, you need both of them to really screw me here. And now, now you have both of them in the same turn. Like you do have that ability where you can just go Countercatcher one of these Archeops that doesn't have a Gift Energy because you don't really want to put a Gift on both of them. And then Iono take it out, and then they have like a two card hand. They don't even see like the Drapion or something, and somehow you just steal back the game. And then I also think like Screamtail is kind of cool with the same idea, like because it's kind of like the same idea where you can kill, you can kill Squawks, you can kill Archeops. I mean, maybe there's some reason, like maybe there's an idea to explore with, you know, either the Capsule or the Bravery Charm or the the Cape or whatever. Maybe one of these. And I mean, of course, like Town Store, I think, is something to explore as well. So, like, you could use like some of those fringe tech tools with Town Store. It's like, if it's just like a one off tool like those, it's not very good. But once you got Town Store, now we're talking. Like, we've got other good tools like Forest Seal Stone. And then, the, of course, the Evolution tool could be really good. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool ideas to explore. I just haven't really gotten around to exploring it. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Gardevoir with some of these new tools in the new format? I also have not played a game of the deck, but I also think that Countercatcher Iona is really interesting. Similar, I've been, I have been playing games of Tina, and I think this would be pretty similar. Like, Countercatcher Screamtail sniping stuff would be pretty similar to Countercatcher Sableye that uh, you can do with Tina. And that's, like, a really powerful play that you can pull off. Like, sometimes winning games, that like, it really doesn't seem like you should have any way to win, but if you just, like, bring up something that can't move, put your opponent to a low hand size, and just start, like, hitting their bench, like, sometimes you can just come back and win games. Also, like, against uh, Chen Pao, you can kill Babero or kill back Scalibur with Grimtail as well, which can be pretty nice. So I definitely think that that's 
interesting thing the deck has access to, but I don't know. Early, I, like, if if a deck, if any deck is able to chain Iron Hands against Gardevoir, that can be pretty bad. I don't know if that's very realistic, but that's not a great thing to have to deal with. And Kieran? Uh, yeah, I've actually played with it a bit. Like, basically, just echoing what they said about the countercatcher, it feels really good. Um, obviously, Iron Hands is really annoying. Like, you, yes, now against Chen Pao, you can, like, countercatcher Iono Bibrol or, like, Screamtail Bibrol, but, like, if they just Iron Hands, like, whatever you lead with, like, you can't really do that play. Um, and the other big thing about Iron Hands is I actually think it makes your Maraidon matchup go from favorable to unfavorable, just because they're going to be up, like, way too many prizes by the time you get a chance to come back. Because um, normally in that matchup, you're down, like, two prizes before you, you come back, and, like, they're just going to now Iron Hands your your, Gard- your Shining Arcana Gardevoir. Um... But yeah, I think like the deck is still like the same as it was before. Like, okay, you're gonna tie a lot of games. Uh, if you're good at playing the deck, like, yeah, it's still fine. Um, it's just, yeah, like Iron Hands just exists now. Which there's not that many decks that play it. Like Chen Pao plays it, but like Chen Pao was already your worst matchup. And then like, okay, like now Maraidon's a little sketchy, which I guess is not a great matchup to have flipped. But um, I just say it's like a slight nerf to the deck. Like I think last format, I'd say it's tier one. Like this format, I would just say it's like tier two. Another thing that has been claimed to die to Iron Hands has been our Lost Zone engines, which is, you know, Comfy gets knocked out. How are you going to respond? It's Iron Hands, incredibly hard, right? So we've seen so far Giratina in Japan, as per usual, as Japan does literally every set release, is just so incredibly good and dominant. But there's still some smatterings of Sablesard and stuff like that. So, Andrew, are Comfy engines dead? And if not, which one is actually viable going into LAIC, do you think? Um, I mean, the the comfy engine I've been playing the most with, like I said earlier, is Giratina. Um, I definitely think that deck has really good matchups in this format. It still has the problem of being Giratina, which is not not the best thing you have to deal with as a deck because it's not super consistent, but your matchups are, like, super good. Um, Like Roaring Moon, if they ever want to kill a Giratina, they have to put so much damage on themselves, and then you can just start Sableyeing. You know, you can go counter-catcher eye on no Sableye stuff and just, like... A lot of times make it so it's almost impossible for them to win at the end of the game. Um, and, like, a lot of decks also do not like getting pathed, and Tina, like, is another deck that can take advantage of pathing people turn one and get a leak from there. So I feel like, and Tina can also respond to Iron Hands way more realistically than some of the other Lost Box decks do, or, like, respond to it in a way where you don't just lose the prize trade. So, because you have access to all the other tools, like that, to come back tools, like after you kill the Iron Hands, whereas the other Lost Box decks, you kind of just would get behind and don't have a, as great of ways to come back. So, I think Tina might be the best way to play comfy decks going forward. I think that someone will probably come up with a Lost Box deck that's pretty decent, but there's also just a lot more pressure and a lot less like wiggle room playing Lost Box against in this format. So, let's go over the Tina part of the format, baby. Kieran, are you a Tina believer as well, or something else? Uh, I mean, I've never really been a big Lost Box player. It's not my style, so I don't feel like the best to talk to this. But just one thing I'd be a little scared about is, like, just Jirachi. I don't think we've talked about it yet. It's just, like, I've seen a lot of people who are playing Evolution decks online. Like, they're just, like, auto-including Jirachi. Um, And once Jirachi's in someone's deck, like, that basically, like, nullifies half your strategy. So that's a little scary to me, but I think it's similar to the conversation we just had about Gardevoir, like, just basically giving a deck, like, boss, Iono, and path in the same turn is, like, incredibly strong, and, like, Giratina's still, like, a really strong thing, like, nothing has a better V-star power than that thing does, like, you can knock out literally anything, um, and 280 is actually really hard to knock out at the end of the game for a lot of these decks, uh, like, Maraidon's gonna struggle to do that, like, uh, I mean, like, Roaring Moon can do it, but, like, Andrew's saying, like, you're just gonna clean that up super easily, um, I wonder almost if like Sablezard is probably the way to play traditional Lost Box if you don't want to play like Giratina. 
just because like we were saying earlier like the ability to just hit big numbers seems super important in this format especially for example like if iron hands is going to roll through your board so i remember we used to see like the raihan like a couple of mirage gates when sables art first came out so i haven't explored this but i think that might be an avenue to explore if you want to still play lost box just having a way to deal with the iron hands and having a way to deal with all these like big bulky attackers it's a very logical one, right? Like, okay, you can go Raihan double turbo, you're doing that 230 to KO it, and they just took the two prizes to activate that exact three energy turn. So it's, it's definitely viable. I haven't tr tried it either, but, you know, brain's been there too. Brent, thoughts on anything Lost Zone? Yes, I have a lot to say on Lost Zone. So yeah, I would say, so the biggest um, issue with hands isn't that they take two prizes. It's the issue that take two prizes twice. Like, that's what you can't manage. You can manage if they take the one time two prize. But, like, one of the big issues you see is if they take a KO with Iron Hands and you look through your single prize tackers and realize they don't actually take out Iron Hands. So, I, I mean, I can say I did scour through. I went on Limitless, went Advanced Search, look at Fighting Type Basics, and we had a look at the list. So, we got, we got some cool ones. We got Terrakian. Do you guys know what Terrakian does? No. Nope. The Cavern Tackle. <laughs> There's also a new Grudon card from the new set that I didn't realize. It's like 60 times, and you discard like as many energy as you like. I think it's like it's Chen Pao's attack for oh, fighting, yeah, fighting colors. But so up like to that four, also... so it's capped though. Oh, is it up to four? Yeah, so you only do 240. <laughs> oh, what? I, I thought I thought maybe you could do like some spicy play. You hit like a Zard for 300 and set up for a loss mine with like a counter catch a cologne on. <laughs> <laughs> You are skipping yeah. over the Terrakion, which has one of the best attacks for cube ever. Yeah. Yeah, so the Terrakion's attack, what it does is it's 120 for fighting, fighting colors, and it's immune to all damage, or is it damage and effects? I'm not sure. I actually don't know which one it is. It's definitely damage, and it hey, might it's be all damage. Yeah. I just pulled it all up. All damage? Okay, okay, perfect. It's damage? Yeah. But then I do think the issue with that is if you do that against them, and then they just care something on the bench... Like, if, especially if it's like, um, like Rod, Nest Ball, um, like Iron Hands Cologne, like if they've got the barrels out, that just happens, and then you can't respond the next turn. I guess the issue is that you can't use the attack two turns in a row, yeah. yeah. They, they nerfed it, yeah. Uh, they also got Slither Wings in the set, which is like conveniently yeah. one shots, um, yeah. Iron Hands. I don't know how good it is, but like it's basically two fighting for 120. Yeah, I did see that on like a Japanese list, but yeah. So, the reason why everyone's mentioning Charizard is. It is the only non-fighting type single prize attacker that can actually take out Iron Hands. And I guess, like, with that, then, of course, you have the question of, well, do I want to run Sablezard? Or maybe just the, like, the, the Lost Charizard build could also be pretty good. Like, I thought that would be, like, kind of decent when I was thinking about things before the set. Haven't really explored it much, but, like, there's definitely potential there because Charizard's pretty good at the moment. Talk about the like, EX, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, EX, yeah. So, like, Charizard EX is really strong. And technically, you do have Jirachi now, which made its bad Lost Box matchup not so bad anymore. Because, like, if you get Jirachi out and Manaphy out, and then you're attacking with a Zard EX, even if you were against a Lost Zone deck, it would be a bit um, awkward for them. Like, another one I was thinking of is, like, the with Roaring Moon. I've seen Roaring Moon and then Roaring Moon with Kyogre as well. So, like, the idea with, like, Roaring Moon is, like, I guess it's, like, kind of hard. Like, if they get back-to-back -back Iron Hands, it's kind of bad. But, but I did find, like, um, if you played, like, some really aggressive list and you got, like, a KO, if they couldn't get, like, double Fridge and double Bib early, if you killed the Bib, 
and by the time they had to use the iron hands you were actually fine to be able to still take the game so it was like it felt i think it was like only like slightly negative at that point it didn't feel that terrible it's like maybe just like roaring moon with confies is not a bad idea okay okay one other attacker you can do is if you you can play Zamazenta and if you play like Town Store and like you can search out forces and you could also search out like a whatever the vitality whatever the damage band. mods are defiance band or yeah, defiance. vitality band either one to to kill Iron Hands and then like they can't put that back with another Iron Hand so that's like one other one prizer but it's like a lot of commitment to your deck to, yeah. to kill Iron Hand. I think just another caller is if you're using a two prizer with Lost Box, like you're probably behind if they're Iron Handsing, like you're just feeding them two prizes. Cause like I assume whatever deck you're playing, like they can also just knock out a Roaring Moon or like a responding thing. with a one prize. Yeah. Yeah. So um but it's basically the same thing as getting Iron Hands twice pretty much. Since they're just gonna take two yeah. prizes again. So yeah, I don't know. Lost Box just seems just like in a really tough spot. Like and then also like if someone plays Jirachi, then like yeah, you just like lose to almost every matchup, so uh not looking good. <laughs> we have two more decks that I want to talk about for sure. The first one, the one that's definitely going to win the tournament because everyone is forgetting it exists. That is, of course, Mew V Max. I want to say, Kieran, you're the one to start us off. Mew V Max, how dead is it? And is it winning? I mean, like, it's just like the same as always. Like, it's just Mew V Max. Like, no one tests against it. Like, no one thinks about it. Like, uh, I don't know if it's winning. There's another dark type now in the format, Roaring Moon. I don't even know if that matters. I, I think you have to play the Maloetta version if you're going to play it now. Like, I just think you need to be able to take two prizes on the first turn, or your second turn with a one prizer, mm -hmm. uh, just to, like, fix your prize trade. Um, I think the common theme of this format is just, like, you need a one prizer to, like, interrupt your opponent's, like, prize trade. So, definitely think Fusion's fine. Like, you can still play if you want, like, the one judge, one path to have, like, a win, a con against, like, anything. Um, like, yeah, like I just think Mew is just the same as it's always been. Like, solid in tier two, like, disrespected. I think Spiritomb is like, no one's gonna play Spiritomb, so I don't think you have to worry about that. Um, yeah, it's like another deck. Where it's like, if it makes top eight, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Brent, thoughts on the Mew? Yeah, so I do not think DT Mew is very good at the moment. Like, there's dark types everywhere. Like, they are just, they're just gonna accidentally get an attack off and just ruin you. Like, it's just if one thing gets going, like, every single deck for some reason seems to have some dark type that is capable of sweeping your entire deck. <laughs> like, I don't know I don't know how that happened, but it's just the case now. And, I mean, yeah, Fusion, I mean, that's why, like, Meloetta is so important in the prize race. Uh, if you can take a, like, a two-prizer knockout with a one-prizer, like Meloetta, it allows you to actually prize race some of these decks. Like, like the Charizard, like the Roaring Moons. And, yeah, I feel like people are going to be going towards like so like lost cities like fallen out of favor mostly because like it lost a lot of value when people started running mirage step and now people are looking at like the town store with like you know a bunch of utility tools because there are a bunch of useful tools at the moment like you know we got the box of disaster which is still pretty good if against zard and gardevoir we got the um choice belt of course forest seal stone getting that's not that bad so i think we're going to be seeing people run town store like Probably like two of those, two of the path, I feel like, is what I've been seeing. I think that's what a lot of people are going to start doing, and they're just going to judge path against the Zard, and then against the rest, they're just going to play like Mew. Andrew, Mew, winning. Yes. Yeah, I also think Fusion Mew is probably the version you have to play, which is sad to me, because I think DT Mew is a much better deck overall, like, as a deck concept, but Fusion Mew is probably what you have to play to mess with the prize trade. Also, like, 
you can also play um deoxys and then try to force uh, some decks to even take four knockouts like against zard potentially because you really don't have very good ways to win that match if they can just win in two or three attacks so um i think you have to play fusion me to try to mess with the prize trade for sure um and get some early aggression against some of these decks that can also attack and aside on mew it won the tournament of doom you know, 170 people and i asked nelson the person who won about the roaring moon matchup because they beat several and every single time they went second got the three fusion strike energy power tablet catcher heads <laughs> so you know <laughs> two. oh heck yeah there were four catchers in the list hit the heads every time <laughs> so uh if you're feeling lucky let's now we're talking <laughs> The next deck is one that will eventually overtake Mew as the this thing is never going to die. That is, of course, Lugia. We've already mentioned a little about the colorless. Maybe single strike exists as well. Iron Hands can be thrown in there if you want to. You can, you know, you got an extra discard card with the it is not the letter. Oh, my gosh, the Earthen Vessel. You can run the fire energy now for your Charizard. You can run water energy to Aqua Return. I don't know what you want to do with it. Brent, what are you doing with Lugia? Are you putting it away? Is it any good anymore? So somehow Lugia, it keeps straying further and further away. Like, from what it started with, it looked like, okay, this is such a cohesive deck. We got all the special energy, we got all the attackers, and then we went to, um, we got some special energy that cannot be used on everything, and now we've got basic energy in the deck. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> the deck gets progressively less and less cohesive, but it's still there. It's a cockroach. It's just not, like, at this point, it's already lost the head, and it's still going. It's still alive. I don't get it. But yeah, I think I think there's obviously things to explore. Like having the Earthen Vessel as a discard card is pretty cool because the discards are actually kind of lacking. Like at the moment, like you look at Lost Box, there's like no quality discards in Lost Box at all. And and yeah, I think having like the Fire and the Lightning is pretty good. I think the Water's probably not worth it because if I can afford to Acro turn in a turn, I will just Iron Hand. <laughs> like it, it's. Like, I'm worried that they take an extra prize card, but why don't I just take the extra prize card instead? This just seems like a better idea. So I don't think the water energy is particularly good, but I do think, I do think obviously, the fire and lightning has to be explored. If not, just the colorless, maybe, like, the regular colors, like before, still being played a bit. Like, maybe that's still pretty good, because Snorlax is just really good in general. Mm-hmm. Like, even now, it's like, you're looking at things, you're like, damn, that's so strong. Even Iron has pretty strong. Like all these cards still go one. Uh, they they trade evenly or like negative against Snorlax. Like, Snorlax just so good in general. So so I think yeah, of course, League with Snorlax will be big. But I'm not entirely sure about single strike. I feel like maybe Andrew has a better take on single strike. So I'll leave him with that. Uh, well, what I I've got a bit concerned with Lugia. I'm not really entirely sure how it beats Roaring Moon. That matchup does not seem. Very good to me. They can take two prizes on a Lugia V while not putting any damage on themselves, which makes it pretty hard for Lugia to ever even one-shot them back. I feel like, and also they put so much pressure on you just threatening a turn one attack. Lugia doesn't even always get down two Lugia V turn one. They can just end the game there as well. So I'm not really too confident on Lugia moving forward. I haven't really tested it too much, but I don't think it's in the best position in the meta, to be honest. I don't think I'm going to be playing that deck unless something drastic changes. And Kieran, close us out. Lugia. Uh, I've actually tested Lugia a decent amount because I like playing Lugia, but the same as Andrew. Like, I, just, I don't think it's in the best spot. Um, I am playing the Earthen Vessel with the Fire and the Lightning. I will say attacking with Charizard early feels really good because I think the problem with Colorless is like you don't do a lot of damage at the start of the game. Like You have to like, weirder, which feels like really bad. 
Um, and Iron Hands does feel good. But the, I think Iron Hands actually hurts Lugia way more than it helps it, because, like, your Luminions are just, like, three prizes now. Like, you need to collapse them, like, right away, or else you're just, like, giving up too many prizes. Like, yeah, the Roaring Moon matchup's kind of tough. Like, you, you have to, like, start with a one prizer in the active and hope they don't have a way to, like, boss something else. Otherwise, you have to kind of, like, awkwardly go, like, okay, like, only have, an, like, two two-prizers for the game, then I have to Charizard something, and then I have to, like, Iron Hands your, like, Squawk. Like, it just feels really bad. Um, so, yeah, I'm not super sold on Lugia. I just think it's, again, it's, like, a bottom of the Tier 2. But if you've been, like, playing Lugia and you like it, like, it's still fine. Like, it's still viable. Right on. Last question will be for all of you, and that will be a very simple, what are the top three decks you are currently expecting? Now, for any listeners, I will point out we are about a week and a half out, so don't be shocked if you're listening to this the day before if something has changed. But uh, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What are the top three decks, or you can go up to five if you have to for everyone, that you are expecting to play at LAIC or play against at LAIC? Um, like in order, preferably. Or, and if you think things yeah. are even, you can say that too. I think I would probably guess for the first one would be Roaring Moon. Um, that's a deck that's like new and exciting. It's also pretty good, and it's not super hard to play either. So that's something people can definitely pick up. And there are a lot of different ways to build it. So I think that if I had to guess, that would be my number one. I think Chen Pao Iron Hands has also gotten a lot of hype, so I'd probably put that at number two. Chenpao is already picking up a lot of players near the end of last format, and I think with Iron Hands it will get even more people wanting to play it. And I think I'd have to put Tina number three, maybe? Uh, like, I mean, I think with Countercatcher people will want to play that deck more, and also with the other Comfy decks not being as good, potentially, people who like playing Colrus Comfy decks might switch to Tina. So I think I would do that as my one, two, three, but there's definitely a lot of, a lot of changes I could also see with that. Kieran, what about you? Uh, I think we're going to see a similar format to like what we see now, where it's going to be like 10 to 15% across the board. But like, I'd probably agree that Roaring Moon is probably going to be pretty high. Like, it just feels like it's going to be like the Maraidon of this format, where it's like it's pretty simple. Like, it's really fun to play. Like, a lot of people are going to play it. I also agree, Chempal is going to be played a lot. Um, we didn't talk about it a lot, but I think Charizard EX is still pretty good, and it has a pretty big player base. So I think that might be third. Um, and just something to note, like last year when I went to LASC and I was talking to the locals, like. They all said like they actually don't change decks as often just because the cards are like triple the price in Brazil. Um, and Brazil just has a lot of different like socioeconomic things than like playing in the West for us or playing us in North America. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see a lot of the Latin American players just stick with similar archetypes to what they've been playing. Um, and it does seem like that's the region for Charizard X. So that's kind of like my prediction of why I might see a little bit of an uptick in the Charizard X. I can't believe I forgot to bring up Charizard EX. Uh, <laughs> any listeners yelling at your headphones or your car speakers? Yeah, that's valid. That's valid. Valid. That's a good deck. Brent, what do you think of the top three decks you're currently would be expecting to face? Well, I, I'm like not entirely sure how much Brian uh, Moon's usage will be. So, like, if you look at online, it's like skyrocketed, like near the top. Like, I think it'll be near the top, but I think it'll be a lot less than it says it is online. I think everyone's just playing it because they're like, it's fun, it's new. Everyone just wants to play Rowing Moon at the moment. So I will still say, I think it'll still be first, but I think it won't be that massive landslide that we're seeing online. And then next, I think will be Chen Pao. I think Chen Pao will be a little bit more than you see online. It's like online, it says 8.31. I think it'll probably be at least 10. I think that'll be second still. I feel like a lot of people just are really liking Chen Pao. 
they didn't like it as much before maybe because the lost box matchup or god of war wasn't as easy like now god of war is like pretty easy like like before i thought it was like slightly favored maybe no it was super favored bro (laughs) come on i I lost it once I played you at Worlds, and you wanted to tie in that matchup. Yeah, <laughs> still never played it before. <laughs> After that, I proceeded to tie almost every time I played the matchup. No, that was 70-30 at the minimum for Chempo. Ah, uh, nah, we'll, we'll money match that. I'd be down. <laughs> we'll money match the 70-30 odds, 70-30 odds. So, <laughs> so you, need to win, you need to win 7 or 7 games, like it's not 70-30. But yeah, um, but yeah, actually now it is. I would say it's definitely seventy thirty now. <laughs> okay, I'm not playing that matchup. No, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I think Chen Pao will be second, and then Tina or Zard is third. Definitely. Like for some reason, Zard is it's played a lot everywhere. Even when it feels like it was declined, like it didn't do the best at like any of the regionals. I think until like Azul got the finish in the last one. And then, for some reason, every single regionals, there was a ton of Charizard. And people like Charizard. It's a fun card, too. It's not super hard to play. Now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) So, if people would like more from you, where can they find you? And, of course, any shout-outs to any sponsors that you need to appease as well. Andrew, where can people find you if they want to hear more? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at PokeHawkeye. And you can also potentially read some of my articles on Cut or Tap. And shout out to my sponsor, Dead Draw Gaming, for the support. Kieran, what about you? Cool. I don't got to appease them, but I'll shout out my uh, my friends over at Banana Games <laughs> in Toronto. Uh, great store. If you live in the area, definitely check them out. Uh, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Kieran underscore TCG. Um, I also make YouTube videos at the same handle. And I have a podcast I just started recently. It's called the Shift Gear Podcast on Spotify. Um, and I also offer coaching. I'm on Metify, but you can also just DM me if you are interested in that. If you have not watched the YouTube videos from Kieran, you 100% should. They are the best competitive content out there right now. So definitely a 10 out of 10 recommendation on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Brent, where can the people find you and any shout outs? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter slash wet underscore goose. Um, I also have a podcast, Double Prize Podcast with James Cox. Yeah, we've been doing that, and uh, I think that's it. Oh yeah, actually, I do coaching. I, I do coaching on Metafy, and like you can do Metafy or Camly or just like DM me. Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Melonerscore Magikarp. Be sure to rate and review the show as always. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs>